Hello and welcome to Telling Stories. And we return to the Forgotten Tag Team. We return to the LCO. The Suki Nita, Nita Shimoda, the baddest of badasses in the wrestling the 90s and early 2000s. And we're looking in the middle part of their career as they managed to get rid of the Zaps and forge their way forward as the dominant tag team in AEW Japan Wrestling in the early 21st century. So we're going to continue their story today. We hope you've enjoyed the story of the LCO. There'll be more forgotten tags in the next But for now, Mimishimoto and Etsukunita, the LCO. They would drop the titles back to Watanabe and Makawe, who would in return vacate them in May of 2000, which would lead to the tournament final for the vacant belts between the LCO and up-and-coming veterans Nanai Takahashi and Momo Nakanishi, collectively known as Nanomomo. LCO clearly relished being back as full-on heels, but after their face by default run with the Zaps, swinging their pastel-shaded chairs before the bell as an intimidation tactic. They may well have been thugs, but they were colour-coordinated thugs. The youngsters attacked them before the bell, but were swatted away with seasoned enthusiasm by the veterans. In short order, they were beaten, battered, and Momo took a ride through a table head first. The LCO game plan was right on track. Momo took another pile driver at the announced position, and Shimoda was swinging chairs at Nanai like her life depended on it. The smaller Momo was the focus, and she was battered from pillar to post. When she eventually got the tag to Nanai, Takahashi was on the receiving end of the same treatment. However, she managed to turn it around on Shimoda, and the young pairing went at them with speed and accuracy. Takahashi locked Shimoda in the figure four leg lock, and Momo delivered a series of splashes from the top rope. She made a strange flying angel with a blood cake face. However, their double teams were crisp and innovative. Nani held Shimoda in a waist lock while Momo delivered a missile dropkick to get Shimoda over to the German suplex, which Momo followed through a completing the O'Connor roll with a bridge as she was a legal wrestler. It was state-of-the-art prototype tag wrestling. The kind of thing that is world-wondering style and friend and butter style today, no surprise that Takahashi runs that office. The young team had the veterans on the run, but Mita evened things up with a chair shot and they took over again as they appeared to have exhausted their opponents. Apparently not all the way though, an electric chair suplex big splash combination left Shimoda with a wry smile on her face as it only garnered a two count. The youngster took control again, but as the near falls and the saves mounted up, so did the tension in the crowd. Then seemingly, out of nowhere, Shimoda delivered a perfect dragon suplex and got a near fall. As female fans of the audience screamed on, Momo was hoisted up into position for the DVD by Mita. She flipped out of that only to have a chair thrown at her head by Shimoda. Momo shook off another chair shot to deliver a cross-legged Frankensteiner on Mita. Small but tough, she kept coming back for more, while Takahashi ran interference. When it was her turn on offense, she showed the resiliency that had been her watchword, taking several chair shots and still kept coming. Eventually, after a missed DVD axe kick finisher, Nanai delivered her Nanaraka, suplex to a sit-out slam to win the match, the tournament, and the titles. Shimoda and Mita were apoplectic in defeat and ran down the champions on the mic in the aftermath. Always looking for heat, a job they did better than few other tag teams before or since. Nenomono would become known as the team that were perfect foils for the LCO, being everything they weren't. Nakanishi and Takahashi were young and vibrant wrestlers who appealed to the younger side of the AJW audience. You only had to listen to the girlish squeals from the crowd to understand that. For all the fans, the LCO represented the elite. They may be thugs, but they had honour and tradition. They had grown up in the business and a lot of the spectators were pleased to see them reach the top after being loyal to the company especially after so many had defected to Gaia, JWP, and LLPW on a more permanent basis. The series between LCO and Nanomomo would spread out over around two years. The LCO would take the titles back in January 2001 
losing to the makeshift team of Watanabe and Tanahashi. They would lose them back to Black Joker, who would in turn drop them back to Nanomomo in July of 2002. This set up the third title match in the series. In November of 2002, it would be the end of the LCO's dominant run as AGW would run aground in 2005. Eyeing their options elsewhere, Shimoda moved to Mexico and wrestled predominantly in CMLL's women's division, but also kept her status as a freelancer in Japan. Meech would work for many promotions, eventually retiring in 2009. Shimoda still wrestles alongside Aja Kong, Manami Tota, and Jaggi Yokota, and is a highly respected veteran of the Joshi scene. AJW was not the only place they plied their trade during the years in the limelight, as Joshi was exploring cross-promotional avenues that gave Joshi its major thrust, the LCL found themselves in Gaia, just as the promotion was hitting the heights of its acclaim. Sakura Hirata was a fresh and at the time incredibly young-looking rookie that Gaia president Chigasu Nagayo took a shine to. She expressed her will to bring out the best in Hirata, and her plan involved challenging every major tag team in Joshi. They would face the best in Gaia and AJW, as Nagayo was hell-bent on seasoning Hirata at a super-fast pace. On top of that list was, of course, the LCO. Having already taken beating from Akira Hokuto and Aji Kong, LCO had the job of continuing the losing streak. Hirata's backwards push was a put in place to garner her sympathy for a shot at the big time partnering up with Nagayo, the biggest draw in Joshi history and long-term narrative. LCO came out all guns blazing, as per usual, double-teaming Nagayo and, and isolating her, using chair shots and their usual double-team maneuvers. They looked clearly in control. Hirota tagged in, and she was on fire, delivering her butt-butt to meter before trying a little too hard and getting a chair shot to her back for her trouble. It broke down to a brawl, the Kurokan Faithful running out of the way as chair shots flew wildly from Nagayo, who always liked a good fight, and at this point in her career was one of the best brawlers in the world. Hirota would end up taking meter's table pile driver as the fans screamed in unison. The cameraman struggled to keep up with the action as the four brawled up the K-Hall steps and into the crowd. Nagoyo paired off with Shimoda, hurling everything by the kitchen sink at her. Meanwhile, Hirota was still on the receiving end of the beating from Mita. When he got back to the ring, the LCO were in charge. They delivered a series of planchet dives on Nagayo and Hirota, who looked like they'd been through hell. They managed to recover quickly, and Hirota got a butt-butt in for a two, only to be met by a chair-swinging Shimoda to break up the count. Nagayo delivered a planche of her own to take out Shimoda and have the fans screaming in adulation once more. The nefarious double teams of the LCO brought the advantage back to them, with a second-rope electric chair from Mita on Hirota. A two count so close that Shimoda attacked the referee in frustration. There was a feeling that her cockiness could bring them undone, though. She delivered a perfect missile dropkick, and then staring directly, Nigeo lifted Hirota on one. Nigeo tagged herself in by literally dragging Hirota across the ring and unloaded on Shimoda. Mita made the save. She made a cut Nigeo in a snap German, and they went back to double team with an electric chair big splash combination. Feeling the momentum, they brought in their favourite pieces of furniture, the guard railing, and buried Nigeo and Hirota under chairs. They delivered the rail flash but the referee couldn't count as it was from an illegal manoeuvre. Nagao put on a desperation sleeper. The Gaia young girls all held back meat while Shimoda was incapacitated and Hirota fetched a table. Shimoda took a bow bomb ride through the unforgiving Formica. It didn't break. Hirota, with a little help from Nagao, managed to sneak a Medistar cradle on Mita. Shimoda made the save with another share shot, and Mita held Hirota ducked, letting Mita take the full blow. Hirota grabbed the chair and started swinging at everyone, including Nagao. The crowd were lapping it up but it would end in disaster for the Gaia team as Miss E sent Mita manhandled Hirota into a Death Valley bomb and hooked the leg for a clean pin. Though she was the reason her team had lost, her gutsy performance gave Hirota momentum. At the end of the evening, she challenged Mako Sakamura to a singles match and took her place up the card, a place she still treads to this day as a key attraction of Marvelous and Oz Academy. Of all the teams the LCO competed against, one stood out, the team of Toshiya Yamada and Minami Toyota who are perhaps the greatest pure wrestling tag team of all time.
their matches with Dynamite Kansai and Mayu Miyazaki were bona fide wrestling classics. They were doing stuff that 20 years later no one has caught up with. So how could the LCO stand up against them? They had a long history with Tokyo Sweethearts and Dreamwalker, and they would meet early in the LCO's ascension to being the top tag team attraction in AJW. As they went in for handshakes, the LCO jumped the gun and attacked the wildly popular pairing. Toyota and Yamada were the predominant tag team of their generation, and the LCO needed to make a statement against them. They began by hurling Toyota around by the hair and generally screaming their way through the opening of the match. Mita's snap piledriver and the pair's interesting take on the heart attack with a hair pull rather than a clothesline was the antithesis of Toyota and Yamada's state-of-the-art air-and-shoot offense. They were true heels. Every cheap shot and short cut on a two of the most sympathetic babyfaces AJW had produced worked wonders. Shimoda's lack of respect towards Toyota was paid back in kind, the match breaking down to a slapping contest at one point. While Shimoda went after Toyota's fingers with stomps and kicks, Mita started fighting. It was basic, but it was the most advanced wrestling company on planet Earth. It was the kind of thing that got them back to square one when it came to heat. So simple, it had to work. Toyota got a separation with a spring-pulled crossbody and her usual star running up the ropes hands-free with a turn in midair of 180 degrees. Yamada tagged in and used her usual brutal kicks and slaps to gain the advantage. Mita went for the eyes to counter it. Despite being especially technically adept, the LCO were building a reputation as bullies and ne'er-do-wells hand over fist. They were thorough though. I've never seen anyone use a body scissors to make an eye gouge more effective, but they were clearly after humiliation as well as pain. Shimoda tagged in and the ground Yamada's face into the mat. Toyota broke up the body scissors with a drop kick and Yamada gave her a thigh-popping kick on the way out of the ring. Yamada and Toyota brought their double teams into play but Mita evened things up with a chair. Shimoda showed her own strength, catching Toyota who'd gone to the top rope for a missile drop kick and underhook her to deliver a regal suplex from the top rope. When Shimoda couldn't hook the dragon suplex, Mita delivered an unprotected chair shot to Toyota's head and if it wasn't heated enough, it was about to go off the deep end. Toyota and Yamada had a friendship forged in a tag team in a feud that had broken boundaries as well as doing breathtaking artistic and financial business. They had stood by each other through thick and thin, a true buddies team. The crowd knew that and they knew that Yamada would be pissed when she got back to the ring, adding another layer of intrigue for the pair trying to protect their reputations. To add insult to injury, on top of insult, Shimoda began slicing and dicing Toyota with a foreign object while Yamada was held down with a chair in the throat from Mita. A camera close-up revealed it to be a pair of scissors. If the LCO wanted to be the most hated team in Joshi, they were going the right way about it. Shimoda dragged Toyota to each side of the ring, and those photographers of the major news magazines placed at reach ringside to show them, the world, what they'd done to Toyota. Blood began to pour down her forehead. As Yamada and Toyota were manhandled outside the ring by Shimoda and Mita respectively, the commentators were shocked at this level of violence, and the fact that the former champions were being handled so readily. Shimoda went for a table with a smile of sadistic glee on her face as the young girls of the dojo mopped up the sweat left on the vinyl mat. Meanwhile, Yumada and Mita began hurling chairs at one another, Yumada coming off worse of the pair. Mita then headed back to the ring and powered on Toyota onto it, unopened and flat for maximum impact. She was a bloody mess from the scissors attack. It looked like the end was near for the former champions, but the ref refused to count on the follow-up German suplex from Shimoda, so she tagged in Mita. She went for another powerbomb, but Toyota reversed it into a momentum to flip over Mita and score a sunset flip. Avoiding a DVD attempt, she Germaned her way out of trouble, at least for now. A moonsault garnered her another two, but Shimoda broke up the pin. Shimoda missed through a chair and caught Mita. Yamada saw the opening and stormed the ring, setting Mita up for a dual backdrop driver of the second rope. It was stunningly close, but Mita kicked out. Toyota was drained, and she struggled to get Mita up for a finish, the Japanese Ocean Cyclone Suplex. No matter, Shimoda saved her in two. Yamada tagged in and set for Mita with her Widow's Peak finisher, but Mita reversed it into a Death Valley bomb. 
It was Toyota's turn to make the save. The crowd were in rapture at this point, applauding the efforts of both teams. Toyota managed to come onto her feet and deliver a missile dropkick from the heavens on Mita. Shimoda smashed her with a chair. The climax was building. Yamada tried her for a spinning crossbody, but Mita met her with a chair thrown by Shimoda. Mita threw Yamada into the ropes, but Yamada landed a leg lariat, and the shrieks of wrestlers only matched the volume of the crowds. The end came with a second Death Valley bomb on Yamada. All four collapsed at the end of the match. This match lit a fire under the push of the LCO. It led to their four WWA tag titles, their serious money feuds, and was the bridge between the glory years of tag team wrestlings in all Japan women, the Crush Girls, Jumping Bomb Angels, and Toyota and Yamata. To the end of the company, while as individuals they were both dynamic and inventive wrestlers, they came along at just the wrong time in AJW's history. In any other era, they would have been top signed single stars, but they had to wait in line behind Aji Kong, Toyo Yamada, Toyota, Kyoko Inoue, Akira Hokuto, and a plethora of other talents. They had to gain attention any way they could. They fought back through being the best dastardly of all heels, and it paid dividends. And that ends our story. The LCO. My name is James You can find me at Sheriff on Twitter. You can find the channel at Also go to powerslam.tv and get a free month for new user code while it watch. Music by Sheriff Lone Star and Deputy's Heartbreak, fan count forward slash Sheriff Lone Star.